this gentleman shares with me 20 years sales experience. He started using this formula. He closed 100% of his prospects that week. I know that's not sustainable. Okay. That's not a claim that that can be upheld period. We know this, but I said, Hey, Andrew, what did you do to increase your close rate? What's funny is this is where he focused is on the C connect building rapport with people first, nothing else changed. He found such a profound impact that when we focus on the forefront, the empathy aspect of our sale, we end up building that trust, the credibility, the rapport that you can bobble through any of the presentation you need to make and still get to the end. My name is Adam Benzman and I want you to steal my strategy. You're listening to Steal My Strategy, the show where we talk to smart people who invite you to copy, review, and remix practical ideas you can apply to life and business. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Adam, I am beyond excited to have you here. And for the sake of the audience, I just have to say Adam is one of the marketers, sales consultants, amazing minds that I really respect. In fact, I was reluctant to pull you onto this podcast, Adam, because although I want everybody to hear the amazing things you know, I didn't want to share one of our secret weapons with everybody. <laughs> you know, I'm worried. Maybe my competitors are going to call you and you're just so good at what you do. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time and coming on this podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and excited to help everyone who's tuning in and listening because sometimes it's the little moves we make that have the most profound impact and it can be hiding right under our nose sometimes. It's true. And you've helped us see a lot of those things. And I know you'll help our listeners to uncover some of those things. Adam, how would you describe yourself and the work you do? I mean, I know you're an amazing copywriter. I know you're a great marketing strategist. I see you doing videos. I see you helping various industries. Are you a marketer? Are you a salesperson? Are you a consultant? <laughs> who is Adam Benzman? Uh, that's a good question. I am an entrepreneur at spirit who happens to channel that passion through a desire to distill complex messages and offers into a simple way that makes it easy for people to understand, but most importantly, makes it pretty darn hard to not want to do something about it and take action. So my whole passion is the communication element. And so many people have really profound visions or programs or services or capabilities, and their customers will often rave to them, hey, you're great at this, you're great at this. And they always have the same problem. Once I have them on the phone, once I work with them, they rave about me. They'll send me referrals. But my problem is getting to that point first. And that's the bridge that I like to provide a gap for with the people that I work with, whether it's salespeople, whether it's agencies, companies, organizations, to help them craft really compelling offers to take that brilliance and expertise they have and put it on the forefront of their brand and their messaging that makes it really easy for their ideal customers or prospects to raise their hand and say, hey, I want to learn some more. So that's the snapshot of who I am, I suppose. Yep. Okay. That's a good description. It's better than I would have done. <laughs> so one of the things I picked out of there, uh, you mentioned a few times, is the compelling offer or the hook. And, you know, Adam, I guess I wonder if I'm great at what I do, if my customers or my clients love me, why do I need a hook? Why do I need an offer? Why can't I just be a great pro and people beat down my doors to work with me because I'm just really good at what I do? Yeah, because that vision will take you only so far. <laughs> you just described why people reach out to me. And by the way, great companies are built on reputation. We know this. But what happens is that sound reputation oftentimes 
is unpredictable, unstable, and not scalable. If you are fortunate enough to have people kicking down your door all the time, you're not listening to a marketing podcast. Let's face it. You're busy serving people. And if that's you, awesome. I'm grateful that you have that opportunity to have that reputation that carries you forward. For most people, that reputation comes in waves. Those inbound leads come in waves. Those referrals come in waves. And it's unpredictable. And what happens is when the rug is pulled out from under you, it's sudden. So those leads, those inquiries that you counted on consistently, you truly have no control over. And the number one rule in marketing is to own your audience. And if you don't have that level of control, you're gambling with your fate. And as I mentioned, an entrepreneur at spirit, and I'm not a gambler. You will not see me at a casino. <laughs> I like predictable and scalable plans, not uh, let's ride the wave while we can. As do I. And you know, for financial advisors, who is our primary audience that we serve, they struggle with this because they do a great job for their clients and they get referrals organically. And sometimes that can lead to a great business, but you nailed it. Yeah. It's not always consistent. It is not predictable because it's at the whims of people when they decide to give you referrals. Yeah. So let's talk about that predictability. You know, how do you go from the desire to have predictable business, the awareness that you're doing good business and having clients that love you, yeah. to creating some kind of offer that's actually going to bring people in consistently, something you can amplify and as you put it, count on. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? Yeah, testing and doing it. I mean, I know that's oversimplified and I'm sure we're going to get into all the details, but the, the last thing, if you don't mind me backtracking for just a moment on the referral piece, one really important thing for everyone listening whose main clients are coming in by way of referral is what happens if your niche or your sweet spot changes, pivots, you bring on a new product or service that you can provide, but no one knows about it. Your referring parties don't know how to get those people to you and it puts a ceiling on your ability to grow. So our mission with our marketing efforts is to craft those offers. And one is to put in the work to do it, which is a lot of work. Obviously, I'm going to shamelessly plug the Snappy Kraken platform because of the robust campaigns. Running that as a team, I mean, you better have a six-figure budget to produce it. So being able to find a faster solution to deploy your marketing efforts consistently to collect the data you need and then iterate and adapt. And when you can do this and you can make strategic decisions or piggyback off people who have a high level of expertise doing this, you come to those high converting offers quickly. And what I mean by a high converting offer is the reason that someone wants to reach out to you, serving them what they want. And when we learn how to do that, because there's a big disconnect often from what an advisor wants or what they think their ideal prospect wants or what their client wants versus when you get in the mind of the client, what he or she may actually want. And our mission is to find the way to communicate what that person is really wanting right now, not what they need, what they want right now. And this is the part that really takes getting into the psychology and the mind of the people that we serve, whether it's looking for folks for a 401k rollover, whether it's looking for small business owners, whether it's looking for uh, a mature business owner looking for an exit, whether it's looking for the millennial into a tech job who has a really high earning potential and now they're looking to capture this person young in their growth. 
So we need to get in their mind. We need to deploy quickly and then innovate. I know this is the tip of the iceberg. So we'll get as deep as you want in the direction you think makes sense. Yeah, it is. Well, and I mean, all of this is amazing to cover. I want to go back to what you said about the difference between what they want and what you know they need. Mm -hmm. When you have advisors who understand deeply the types of needs that their clients have and they want to do marketing, they start generally wanting to focus on those needs. Here's all the things you need. Here's all the things we do. See how all the things we do align with all the things you need, but it's not necessarily what people want. Mm -hmm. So that ability to find out what they want and build a hook around it. Let's just take one of your examples that you used. Let's say it's a high earning technology entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Now, my goal is to shift my mindset from building an offer that I is around something I like to something that is around what they want. What type Mm -hmm. of exercise can I do to figure that out so that I have a way to go forward and hopefully craft something that I can test that it that becomes irresistible. Love it. This is a great question. So what we have here is a difference of want and need. And when we start boiling down the differences, the key thing, and I'm going to give away some of the secret sauce that I get to the privilege of working with a snappy cracking team on some of the, the offer development campaign development is what we do with the team is we talk about a search trigger. So here's what I mean. And this is a approach that I have kind of developed on my own is understanding there's an acute symptom. So a search trigger, let's call it a symptom. It's something that came up in someone's life. The more acute that symptom is, the more willing that person is to find a solution. So if, for example, I just cut myself shaving. So if we're on camera, that's on my throat, right? Could have been scary if it was a big one, but there's nothing there. So this little symptom, this cut, I'm not really going to do anything about it, right? I put a piece of toilet paper on it. I'm good to go. Meanwhile, if I had sliced myself pretty good, I'm probably going to do what? Go to the hospital. Meanwhile, if I had a small rash on my neck and then it grows and grows, I'm I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. But the time that the rash grows from my neck to taking over my face, I'm in the ER. Okay. So what is the same type of thing going on in the mind of our prospect? What is the symptom? The more acute it is, the more likely they are to seek a solution. So an advisor may say, hey, I really want to capture these young high earners. They're earning multi six figures. They've got all these stock options and unique comp plans from their big companies they work with. And I want to get them young because I know in a few years, they're going to be worth millions and I can help set them up for retirement. And meanwhile, the young techie is not thinking that long-term. He or she is thinking what? I'm making more money than I know what to do with. How do I not pay taxes? How do I set this up for my family later? By the way, you always know in order, in sequence, the setting up, this isn't what's keeping him or her up at night, okay? They literally don't know what to do with it. So when we address their core concern, which is I'm making more than I know what to do with, which would be a great offer, a great hook. There you go. Mm -hmm. How do I minimize my tax exposure? What are some creative things I can do? Then later on leading with, again, what they need, which is, getting set up for retirement, becoming the nomad who retires at 40 and has a yacht, you know, everyone's dream. That'd be great. So at any rate, that's the difference between what someone needs and what they want. So what I would ask you is what to look through. If you need a tactical execution plan, sort through your email inbox, dig into your text messages, dig into your brain and find what questions people ask you first easiest way to get real world feedback without guessing. Because oftentimes 
we make the mistake of trying to predict what someone's thinking or feeling, and we project too much of our own knowledge and expertise, and it clouds our judgment. Yeah. So the more real-world feedback, the better. So focus on that search trigger. The symptom they're having now, the questions they have, the more acute it is, the more likely they are to reach out. And then we'll move into the offer side because that's just the hook. Crafting our offer comes later. So first, this is step one, and it's what we do with the writing team. What is a search trigger? What questions do they have? Exactly. And let's uh, talk about that in a little bit. For now, I want to key in on something else you said, Adam, and it's about the way we tend to over-communicate, especially when we have a lot of knowledge about a subject. So maybe they are worried about what they're going to do with all the extra money they're making, and you start communicating all the deep technicalities about NSOs versus ISOs Mm -hmm. and different types of comp plans and tax structures, and all of a sudden – You've shown them what you know, but you haven't shown them that you care. Mm-hmm. And I know the the style of communication and when you communicate those things, all of that matters. And it's something I've heard you talk about a lot. So, Adam, how how can we use empathy to help? You know, we approach this, we agitate the pain, and really connect with our audience in a way that demonstrates that we are the person to to help them with this. Yeah, this is phenomenal. A very very good question couple of foundations, and then I'm going to break down a formula that I've developed that I teach. I actually have thousands of salespeople using this currently. And it has helped even folks who've had 20 years sales experience. And I know advisors are hearing the S word. Sales is not a dirty word. It is not. Sales is magic, just like magic is magic. Magic is using a series of theatrical performance to create an experience for someone. It's communication. Art is sales. Sales is just a word for labeling the communication we use to clearly land our message with the right person. So when I say sales, I just want to put everyone at ease. This isn't sleazy. This is an education-based sales process where you can be you. And the reason I teach formulas, by the way, is because everyone is different. I don't, I hate pushy sales tactics. I hate aggressive sales tactics. Persistent is different. But when we use a formula, which I'll teach you here in a moment, a formula allows each and every person to be him and or herself while just like a chef, like I love watching cooking shows. So if I gave you, Robert, uh, five ingredients, uh, excuse me, vegans and vegetarians, you're going to hate this. (laughs) If I gave you steak, butter, salt, and pepper, steak, butter, salt, pepper, is that four? Which one am I missing? Steak, butter, four four ingredients. We've dropped it to four. With just those four ingredients, you go to a fancy steakhouse, you're going to have sous vide steak, grilled steak, reverse seared steak. You can have mashed potatoes. You can have uh, twice baked potatoes, steak fries. Every chef, if they were to receive that cooking challenge, can make those things with those simple ingredients. Then what happens is they play him or herself that feels confident and says, hey, this is me. This is a portion of me. So when we teach people to sell or to communicate this way, we do it in a way that allows them to, to be authentic. But by following the proven principles of how these ingredients, these sales psychology works together to get to that conclusion. Are you saying this is the meat and potatoes of sales? Do you know what's funny? I've used this analogy. I just spoke at a conference. And I never even thought of that. The meat, potatoes, and sales. That's true. Bake, <laughs> butter, salt, pepper. I've yeah, been saying this. On potatoes, s- that's all. Bake, butter, salt, pepper. Thank you, potatoes. I knew I missed one. I was hit That's my all right. F- you were good. There we go. I was following you. Yeah. So how do we communicate this? I'm going to give you my model. Car park. Easy to remember. Okay. Now what's it stand for? C is connect. This is where we build rapport. All right. I run a membership organization. Not for this industry. They would not be interested. But my point is they're salespeople. This gentleman shares with me 20 years sales experience. He started using this formula. 
he closed 100% of his prospects that week. I know that's not sustainable. Okay. That's not a claim that that can be upheld period. We know this, but I said, Hey, Andrew, what did you do to increase your close rate? What's funny is this is where he focused is on the C connect building rapport with people first, nothing else changed. He found such a profound impact that when we focus on the forefront, the empathy aspect of our sale, we end up building that trust, the credibility, the rapport that you can bobble through any of the presentation you need to make and still get to the end. So C is connecting. This is finding common ground, doing it in an authentic way, right? People want to buy from people they like and that they trust. And, and don't be like, oh, I love golf when you've never swung a golf club in your life, right? Be real. Find that common ground. A is assess, okay? Assess is to find out where they are in their journey. Are they wanting to, what's their problem? What's their search trigger? What's their symptom? What are they trying to accomplish right now? Don't jump far ahead when what they're looking for right now is X, Y, and Z. I need a basic retirement plan. And then you start talking advanced options and this and that and the other, and they're not there yet. R is to report. This is where you report your findings back. This is the key part of the empathy building where you can showcase to that prospect that you actually understand. You've connected with them, you know where they're at, and you've essentially high level recapped their scenario. Okay. Some people call this the pain driving the knife in. I think that's pretty aggressive stuff. It is true. We do need to remind people of that pain. But this is where it then gets fun is where we transfer to the P, which is where we present our solution, presenting how we can help. It is critically important that we do our presentation in a way where we customize the first part around their needs. All they care about is themselves. So you know, we, need, we need to make it about them. Then A is when we ask for the opportunity to serve them or to earn their business, close the deal, close the sale, right? Then R, if you are using my formula is referrals. This is where you, you, you have just earned, some people challenge me and say, it's too soon to ask. I say, no, it's not. If they trusted you enough with their financial future, I think they would be okay telling someone else about you. <laughs> if they didn't trust you, they wouldn't have said yes. So R is where we ask for referrals and we carry on that trust. And then K is where we kickstart that five-star worthy experience. That's the most important part of the process. This is a relationship business. Advisors, relationships, right? Authentic, deep, meaningful, long-lasting relationships who are carry us forward. So car park, remember that. Connect, assess, report, present, ask, referrals, and kickstart. That's the simplest way to knock through the, your, your right order. It's an easy talk track to remember, and it will allow you to, to be you and just, again, follow. Oh, I've spent some time building more. Now I'm going to assess where they're at. Ask an open-ended question. So what brings you in? What's on your mind? Okay, and we can go through that process. Does that answer your question? It does. I love it. And you know what actually is starting to shape up in my mind? is that we, we've talked about a bit of a model already for predictable growth. Mm-hmm. And referrals are part of it because right here at the end of Car Park, there's your ask for your referral, which is going to perpetuate the cycle and make the process of getting referrals more predictable and consistent. Yes. So you can still build a business off referrals, but it needs to be part of a process. Systematized. Exactly, exactly. And, and so I really see that, Adam. And actually, I, I think back to what you were starting to talk about with identifying the pain what addresses their want at the moment. Yeah. And I recognize that we we actually skipped the step because we've got this process we started building here where we identify the pain. Now all of a sudden we're at the point where we're really connecting with them. But in between that, mm-hmm. between identifying that pain and connecting with them, that's where the irresistible offer lives. That's where Correct. the hook is, right? That's the big gap we need to fill. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you understand their pain and once you have them and you're going to start to 
connect with them and work the car park in between. Where's that offer? How do we go from the awareness of what they want to actually getting that opportunity to connect with them? Yeah, it's a good question. This is where people go wrong a lot. I'm going to use an analogy. It's going to make some people cringe, which is the whole idea. If you were to meet someone, let's say you're newly single and you meet them either through an introduction, you're online dating, and maybe they're, they're easy on the eyes and you go out for a drink or for dinner. Following these steps the wrong way is the equivalent of basically saying, hey, you want to come back to my place and spend the night and have breakfast with my mom? Yeah. You have jumped through all of the steps of building the relationship before you earn the opportunity to maybe share a night together before they meet the parents. So, so many people go from, hey, I got your attention and they go in, we, in, in sales, we call it going in for the kill too soon. You're just way too aggressive. Funny enough, the people who are the culprit of this are often non-salesy people that are doing this completely unintentionally and unconsciously. So our mission is to create, as Joseph Sugarman, who's one of my favorite copywriters, he calls it a slippery slide. And the way I interpret that is giving people more of what they want. So if my hook is, you know, let's go back to the young entrepreneur who's earning more money than he or she knows what to do with. And we say, hey, you know, maybe our opening hook is, dramatic increase in your income and don't know what to do with it. Okay. I'm going to read that and say, oh yeah, whoa. Okay. You've got my attention. I didn't give anything away. Now I say, what if I told you that there were three easy strategies you could follow to reduce your tax exposure, put your money to work and set you up for an early retirement? I'd be like, all right, let's rock and roll. By the way, I'm coming up with all this on the cuff. So if I start bobbling, that's why. But actually I'm ready to sign up for the offer myself. <laughs> so we're, that's our hook. Then we need to come into the offer. So we have their attention. And now our mission is to say, I have your attention right now, this moment. My job is to get you to reach out to me or to ask for info or to download something and to advance our relationship since we're in the relationship business. So my mission then is to make my offer simply scratching the itch or answering, providing insight to the hook. If the hook is that, then the offer could be your free tax reduction strategy, your free plan to blank, okay? Which could say your free plan to reduce your taxes, put your money to work for you and retire earlier. I was trying to remember what I said. So all it is, it's not a free consultation. People know that a free consultation, which we use very seldomly in Snappy Crack, very seldomly. I use by advisors in general all the time. All the time. A free consultation is a way of saying, I'm too afraid to tell you. I'm just here to see if I can sell you something. Property owners, wow, I'm in my old world right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. You're, you're right. A lot of industries use that and everybody knows it's just a pitch. It's just a pitch. So when I say, I have your attention, you want this, I can start giving you this. I can start giving you answers to this exact problem. People feel that it's a value-driven approach. And if you're doing your sale right, following the car park formula and actually providing some insights and value and you don't have to give away the farm, but if you can at least showcase that you can support their answers, this becomes a seamless transition from someone who is cold and has no idea who you are to then getting hooked, to then getting entered into your world saying, I want more, to you giving them more and them saying, I love you, let's do business together. That's it. And that whole mission is to make that seamless. But where people go wrong, and this is the, the analogy I always use is, let's say you find someone who's been wandering around the desert and they're starving and you offer them a cheeseburger and you give them a bite and then you pull the cheeseburger away. Well, what are they going to do? They're like, give me more cheeseburger. And they're going to come back from their bite. You can keep doing this. And the hungry person is going to keep following you for a bite of the same cheeseburger because it was delicious or whatever veggie burger, if you prefer. 
But what so many marketing people do is they bait with the cheeseburger and they swap it out for a plate of steamed broccoli. So after the person is all excited and enticed and you're like, all right, this got unfun. You went from the cheeseburger to broccoli, which is like going from, hey, learn three ways to maximize your money, reduce, put your money to work or reduce your taxes, put your money to work for your retire early. And then going off to being like, here at so-and-so advisory firm, we work with people for a better life. Contact us for your free consultation. Like, but I don't care about that. I just want to know how I'm going to reduce my taxes, put my money to work and retire early. Are you going to be able to do that for me? Or is this just a sales pitch? Yep. And all of a sudden you take that hot prospect and you pour ice cold water on them and they're not coming back because they feel like it's a bait and switch. Yeah. It happens all the time. I see it. And actually I, I hate to admit it, but it's, it happens a lot with Snappy Kraken because we put so much work into those offers and then the advisors sometimes don't know how to deal with that, how to continue on that same line of thought, on the same line of interest that the person is already moving down yeah. to pull them in. And they do exactly what you just described. And when you were doing that, Adam, it pulled something else out that I think is really noteworthy. Everything you said in the offer, you sounded like a human. It was conversational. Mm -hmm. It was natural. But then what you said after, now I know you were sort of doing it in a mocking way, but yeah. it was not, it was stiff, it was rigid, it was formal. Yeah. So how do you package these offers or how important is it to package these offers in a way that sounds human, that sounds conversational yeah. versus, you know, well, my, my brand is very conservative and it's, it's you know, formal and corporate yeah. and we, we can't use that kind of casual language. Yeah. And this is a resistance when I was heavily involved with consulting strategy and copyright execution for larger companies, this is where you butt heads. We're a corporation. We're we people. I don't buy from we people. Everyone buys from I people. People buy from, from you. They're buying you. They don't care about the name and the logo on the back. That's secondary. That's an endorsement. That's not who the decision is being made for. So this needs to be a moment where we realize, especially in our changing times, consumers are bombarded with more marketing messages than ever before. I read, uh, if you haven't read this book, Jack Trout and Al Rye's book called Positioning. It's written in by, I think it was 86. In 1986, the average person had 300 to 350 marketing messages in front of them per day, which at that time they thought was a lot. I laugh because now the average person that spends an hour on social media, the algorithm is about three to five posts per ad. So however fast your thumb can go, you could burn through that many ads in one hour. Nonetheless, you've got your podcast ads, your YouTube ads, your Facebook ads, your phone about the, your car warranty that expired that you need to renew. All of these things bombard us. People are valuing authenticity more than anything else. They do not want to buy from a corporation. They want to buy from a human. So what we can do is maintain a fine balance of being professional, but being relatable. So if you just want to remember the one word, relatable. So my point is we need to be relatable with people. That's the fundamental rule. You can still be professional while being relatable and have that fine line. The best rule of thumb is this, write your copy or your communications as if you're sitting down, but, oh shoot, what's his name? Clayton Makepeace. He had said this, I believe Clayton wrote for Agora. And he said, pretend that you're writing an email to your mom. That really hit home with me. Yeah. And that's what I always think, who am I writing to? The one person, your what are you doing? Not to all of the people, you know, you watch, especially, I know we may touch on video today, but people that say, hello, Facebook, hello world. No, don't start your video as a broadcast. Talk to the person who's there. Yeah. How are you today? 
So anyway, does that answer your question? Oh yeah, yeah, it's excellent. And actually it relates to the the video topic because you're talking about being relatable and being natural, being a human. Yeah. And when I watched some of your videos, Adam, I noticed that you do have a good presentation style. I mean, you keep the energy up, the enthusiasm is there, you smile, but I noticed the production value wasn't high. I didn't see a lot of lighting or equipment. In fact, I could hear the wind hitting the microphone sometime. And, you know, there's part of me as a professional marketing company that yeah. wants everything to be polished and wouldn't be comfortable with that. But then part of me, I felt like I was sitting right there with you and you were just, you know, my buddy and we were talking. So I think advisors struggle sometimes with this because they want to project a certain image. They know in video is important. They struggle to produce it. How? What's your process? I mean, how do you get the confidence to do that? What kind of equipment are you using? Why does that method work or does it not work? And you're just doing it that way because you can't afford to buy a better camera? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. At the beginning, you run, I ran with what I had. And the the business that Robert, that you're mentioning is a, is a business I have in a, a niche industry. And this industry, the YouTube channel and video production has been the backbone of explosive growth, explosive growth. Here's the funny part. As it started, I was shooting on a junk camera. I was using an $11 microphone from Amazon that was corded. Some of the videos you can hear my wife even after the three, two, one countdown, because we were both new at this and she was filming. So you'd hear one and then you'd hear her say go. And then you'd hear me. So the video would start two, one, go. And then I'd start talking. And funny enough, if you look on my channel, my top performing videos have the lowest production quality of them all. They're the oldest ones. I mean, we work together. I used to have, uh, and anyone that's seen the podcast, my hair was down past my shoulders. I donated it to Locks of Love but I did not look very professional. I looked like a, I'll say it. I looked like a hippie. It was rocking flannel shirts, long hair, big glasses. And my wife was my biggest supporter. And she says, Adam, stop trying to be someone you're not be you and you'll attract the right people. It was really hard for me. And I remember I worked with my first few celebrity level clients and I was sitting on zoom conferences like this. And I, I sit to my wife and say, Hey, do I need to put on a button up shirt? And look, she goes, no, be you. Not once did it come back that I'm aware of to bite me. So my point is pork production quality audio, by the way, is more important than anything else. So if you can do it, get audio equipment. And to date on my YouTube channel, I've had people reach out because our production quality is increasing. Now on the other side of this, we have our studio with a nicer camera, better audio equipment, sound deadening material, professional grade lights, had a professional come in to help get it set up and dialed new display. Everything's set up framed the way that it makes sense for someone. I don't know what I'm doing. It did not matter. And people would say, Adam, what program do you use to edit your videos? And you know what? I, I would laugh because I've never edited a video in my life. Your one take. Uh, everything is one take. Yeah. Everything. And I know that everyone uh, can do that. It's great practice, by the way. I'll share more on that in a second. I One video out of over 260 that are, pub that are published officially. And then if you put in all the mini ones I've done on Instagram and things, it's probably thousands. But from the actual polished quote unquote polished, right? <laughs> Put that in air, air quotes, videos, not one of them has received any sort of editing. What's funny is when people reach out and I have had a tremendous amount of, I'll call them swing customers that were with another solution and jumped over to mine. They said, we came to yours because it was relatable. And I feel like I already knew you and it's not fluff 
and I can tell it's not gimmicky. And so many people rely on graphics and production. Oh, I'm going to do the big flash card in the beginning because it'll make me look larger than life. I got to make sure my office looks like I'm doing really well, even though I might not be quite yet. You know, I need to make sure that the big glass of my office with the etched glass logos in there, or I'm in my really nice car, or is my Rolex showing in this shot? Get rid of all of that. People don't care. They want to relate to you and they want to feel like they know you. And the last thing I'll say on the one take shot, the worst habit that anyone can create when filming is stopping. This is not how the real world works. You can't go through your presentation and let me start over. Hold on again. That doesn't work that way. So when you practice going through everything in one take, yesterday we filmed Tuesday or two days ago is our filming day on Tuesdays. It took me four hours, four hours to get one takedown. The previous Tuesday, in three hours, we knocked out five videos. Some days it just doesn't go well. (laughs) Some days your mouth and your brain aren't connected as well as they ought to be. That is true. Yes, I can relate to that. Some days you're not feeling it. I was not feeling it that day. But my point is, get in front of the camera. The more you practice, the more confident you're going to get. It's role play, essentially, for the interactions you have with your prospects and clients and never stop filming. Just roll with it and try to get everything in one take. People sniff through this stuff. People watch a lot of video. Believe me, they, get, they know what to. They know when they can see something that's authentic and what's been sliced up a million times. And it will save you a tremendous amount of time on the back end. Yeah. There are so many great lessons in there. You pointed out a lot of them, but just starting with what you have <laughs> and being yourself, yeah. if you really get down to it. Don't worry about trying to get all the equipment and all the production value. It's about yeah. the value you deliver. And you you mentioned it earlier, leading with a values first approach. And you do that in your videos really well. You you share valuable information and that's why people keep coming back and yeah. advisors can do the same thing. Yeah. Well, Adam, I, I know we could talk all day and you are a fountain of knowledge. This is very difficult, this last question, and we've covered a ton of ground. So you can highlight something you've already shared with me, or you can highlight something different. But you know, this podcast is called Steal My Strategy. And when you share as many gems as you did, it can be difficult for people to zone in and apply one thing. So if there was one thing about you that's made you so successful at what you do as a marketing consultant and in the, in the things you've created, the programs you've built and the growth you've helped companies even like ours achieve, one thing that's really helped you to be successful in your strategy, what would you want people to learn from you? It's a really good question. And there's three things that come to mind. So I'm going to try to narrow it down to one. Here's the most valuable one. Read the book, They Ask, You Answer. If you have any interest in using content to build your brand and establish credibility and authority, you need to know what people are asking or what questions they have. I have 260 videos and all of them answer a question. And all I do is listen to my audience and give them what they want. And that's the biggest takeaway. The icing on the cake is give, give, give. When you get uncomfortable, give some more. When it's really uncomfortable and you feel like you should be charging for your advice, give a little bit more. And that's the sweet spot. I love it. I won't add anything because I think you absolutely nailed it to the wall. Adam, it's been amazing talking to you. I always learn from you. Uh, For the record, those who are listening, you probably want to call Adam right now and ask him to help you with your business. Um, Adam does not work with small businesses right now, but he does work with big companies, particularly companies in fintech, in in the financial space. And so if any of you want to consult with Adam or you want a reference on Adam, hit me up. 
but this is a man who knows. And Adam, I want to thank you for all you've done for us. And thank you for being on this podcast today. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Robert. It was always a pleasure.